So when I was 12 years old, my parents and I, we went to Italy and we went to Rome. And it was really, really cool because I came to these art museums that they had. And they said, oh, you're blind. And I said, yes. Do you have any features that can make the museums interesting and accessible to blind people? And they said, yes, you can touch all our sculpture. And I said, wait a minute, all of it? And they said, yeah, go ahead. And I said, whoa, 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 you're not going to give me gloves? And they were like, no, no, no gloves. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine, great, awesome. And so we go into this first gallery. And this gallery is filled with these busts of Roman emperors. And they are stone busts. They are made of kind of rough-hewn marble that has been smoothed over with age. They had all these, these aquiline noses and these bushy <laughs> eyebrows and these big ears. And we go through five galleries of these. And fifth gallery, okay, we're done. The exit, the exit is here. We can leave now. And mom says, hey, you know, I didn't realize that there is a whole upstairs section. There's a stairwell here. We can take it up. And they have even more Roman emperors. Would you like that? <laughs> and I said, mom, we've just gone through five galleries of them. My hands are going to fall off. <laughs> I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to get a little bit artsy. We're joining Matthew Schifrin, host of the podcast Blind Guy Travels, to hear about a memorable trip that he took as a kid to Italy and about a visit with an ancient wolf that he's never forgotten. That is after this. I think to begin, we should start with a, a real uh, basic, which is just uh, who are you and what is it that you do with yourself? Okay. So I'm Matthew Schifrin and I'm a blind podcaster and Lego builder, accordionist, countertenor, rock climber, musical writer. How many more adjectives would <laughs> that, you like? That's pretty good. So you can tell me on a scale of one to ten how uh, much you refuse. But can you sing a tiny bit of of something uh, just to? Yes, I would love to hear. I'm warmed up. Okay, thankfully. great, great. <laughs> um, I will step away from the microphone so that the recording does not peak. Uh, sorry, hold on. <clears throat> <clears throat> As you can probably tell, Matthew's been in singing lessons since he was a kid. And art of all kinds has always been a big part of his life uh, and his family. It's something that his mom actually introduced him to. So my mom is a ceramicist. Okay. And as a small child, we have a studio in our basement. And I would make little sculptures and figurines and things out of clay. Apparently, mom tells stories that as a small child, I would make these sculptures of fish... And these fish would have no eyes, but they would have very big ears. <laughs> and that was, that was the sculpture that I made as a small child, one of the first ones. 
But I think mom, uh, she was very, when it came to introducing me to art, it was not, it was, uh, how do I phrase this? It happened when it happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily that today is art day. We're going to sit down and talk about whoever. It was much more a spur of the moment. Matthew's mom started taking him to museums when he was still a kid. And as they walked through the galleries, she'd describe the art on the walls for him. What it looked like, who painted it, when they painted it, what made it, you know, interesting. But she wasn't just good at describing the art. Matthew's mom was a great partner in crime. Mom and I went to the MoMA in New York, mm-hmm. and there there are these um, sculptures from the Middle Ages, which are uh, like very heavily guarded by security. And so security guards are always on patrol. They have radios, etc. And so mom would play lookout and she'd be like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to turn. I'm going to play lookout. You're going to take two <laughs> steps forward and you're going to touch this sculpture like there is no tomorrow. If security comes, I will let you know, and you will be calm, collected, and nonchalant, standing with your cane like nothing happened. Deal? Deal. And it was very intense. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like some sort of spy thriller trying to infiltrate a, I don't know, an enemy building and sneaking in somewhere where you're not allowed. I mean, because of course, these, I don't know whether these were authentic or reproductions, but they were definitely not supposed to be touched by me. Yeah. And it was just, it was so much fun to do it with mom because she was just 100% committed to my being able to understand and engage with and interact with the sculpture, even if it meant getting yelled at by security. Of course, Matthew couldn't get away with this at every museum. And so as he grew up and visited more museums, he learned how to use different senses and different systems to connect with the artwork in front of him. Some museums in the U.S. have audio guides Mm -hmm. that talk in detail about the sculptures and the paintings, which are useful. Some have very, very talented docents, and you can kind of reserve one so that they will walk around with you. Kind of most of those people, the docents, they're artists themselves. So they're not only able to provide a historical kind of point of view, oh, so-and-so, the artist lived from such-and-such time, but they're also able to add insight into the actual creative process that the artist went through because they are artists themselves. Different museums handle this differently. Some museums write out detailed descriptions of the artwork in Braille. Matthew's also been to museums with tactile models of the art. Sometimes they're reproductions of a piece of sculpture, you know, little ones that you're allowed to touch. Or 3D renderings of sometimes even 2D artworks like paintings, which blind and visually impaired visitors can touch to get a sense of what's depicted on the canvas. These models are very common in France, in Russia, apparently. I have not been to either of those countries, but my parents uh, my parents have France, Russia, Portugal. And then there are some tactile models in the U.S., but there are much less of them than there are in Europe. Art can be an oddly detached experience. But then sometimes out of nowhere, something breaks through, grabs your senses and won't let go, creates this lifelong impression. Matthew was only 12 years old when he took that trip to Italy where the docent told him he could touch anything he wanted. And they were like, no, no, no gloves. And all week, Matthew, his parents, and his sister, they went to museum after museum after museum, and he touched what he said felt like every bust ever made of a Roman emperor. He ran his hands over models of Leonardo da Vinci's catapults and Archimedes' screw. 
He felt marble and metal and wood, and he touched so many works of art that it all kind of started blending together. But then one day, his parents took him to the Palazzo dei Conservatori. It's an art museum in the middle of Rome, about a 15-minute walk from the Colosseum. Inside, there are sculptures from ancient Greece and ancient Egypt. And on the second floor of the museum, there's a famous statue sculpted out of bronze. In some ways, maybe one of the most important statues in Rome. The Capitoline She-Wolf. Matthew had heard of this statue. His history teacher, Mr. O'Connor, had taught him all about it in school. He told the whole class the legend of Romulus and Remus, the twin brothers who, according to the story, were nursed by a wolf and went on to found Rome. And he told us the story, and then he started passing around this little stone replica of the Capitoline wolf. And it was so small that, yes, you could tell there was a wolf, but Romulus and Remus, as toddlers under it, felt tiny, almost non-existent specks under this behemoth of a wolf. And it seemed very cool, but it was it was kind of murky in the sense that when you're touching this sculpture, there's not a lot of detail you can make out. Yes, big wolf. Yes, little kids. That's basically all I could make out. But suddenly, here he was at the real deal. Me in Rome at the museum where the Capitoline Wolf is, and there it is. And my dad says, hey, do you want to touch it? And I said, of course I want to touch it. We just talked about this two weeks ago in history class. And so I get up on my dad's shoulders, and the pedestal is kind of a large marble plinth. And I'm just kind of craning my hands over this pedestal, trying to trying to get a peek. And I see a small hand, and I say, okay, I got it. It's a hand. Well, what else? And mom said, okay, that's Remus. And I said, why is he missing a finger? And mom said, I don't know. He's been here for like hundreds of years. He's got to be missing something. It's true. The statue was made in the Middle Ages more than a thousand years ago. Oh, okay. And I said, Mom, look, look, Romulus is missing a toe. And she said, that's fine. Keep going. We don't have all day. <laughs> and so I kept on going and this wolf is massive. And then because touch is sequential, I can't grasp the whole thing. So I'm having to go chunk by chunk, piece by piece. The wolf has these massive teats at which the children are suckling. And then we kind of move forward and we move up towards the the head of the wolf and the muzzle of the wolf and its searing eyes. And this is amazing because this is history. This is what history feels like. This sculpture has been here for longer, for, for centuries, many, many centuries. And here I am, a blind guy in the 21st century, Touching history. To travel and try to understand a place, really to do anything, to make art, to learn a new song, it's the process of feeling your way piece by piece, sequentially, never able to grasp the whole thing at once, but slowly coming to understand the shape of your experience. Thank you so much to Matthew Schifrin for talking with us today. Do yourself a favor and go check out his podcast, Blind Guy Travels. It's funny and smart, and Matthew sings more and plays the accordion. It's it's great. Uh, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you listen, <laughs> if you dare. We couldn't confirm whether Italian museum docents still let visually impaired visitors touch anything they'd like inside Roman museums. So probably you should ask first. You know, unless you've got a good lookout. 
like Matthew's mom. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Manolo Morales, Guinevere Govea, McKenna Smith, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Casey Holford, Peter Clowney. And this episode was sound designed by Chris Naka and mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.